0: Greetings this morning in Jesus' name. It's good to be here and uh, we just worship together and to just think about what Jesus went through for us. Um, you know, there was there was a suffering there that we cannot comprehend. Our human mind doesn't wrap around that idea. Um, because of his love for us and him giving himself. You know, he—he he, nobody took his life. He gave it. And um, uh, so to just, to just think about what he did for us. Um, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, the story there is about the resurrection. I'm not sure if we're going to have Sunday school. Uh, but I trust that uh, whatever Dave has to share in relation to that with our... Um, Sunrise service, uh, we'll leave that up to, to Dave and the Lord there, but, but the resurrection is really what brings life and hope to us, without it, it's nothing, so, uh, anyway, just a couple of thoughts I had there, but. The title of my message this morning Living with an Attitude of Repentance <clears throat> Now you thinking You're thinking of it in terms of, of What is an attitude? What does that look like? Well You know we've we've all seen that We've seen So let's just use A little story here I just kind of made this story up But we, we all relate to it um, <clears throat> So we have four-year-old Johnny, he's playing with his toys and, and he's having a good time and so finally, about a half hour before lunch, he says, I want a cookie. His mom says, well, we're going to have lunch in a half an hour so uh, you can just wait till lunch. Well, that sounds okay, doesn't it? To us it does. But, you know, so here comes Johnny's younger sibling and wants to play, and and he turns into a brat because he didn't like the response. So his mom has a choice Are we going to fix it or are we going to let that attitude go? You know, um, and sometimes it takes more than one spanking to fix the attitude. You know, we've all kind of been down that road. That's how it works. Well, in a certain sense, God is a little bit. He sometimes works in our hearts in a similar way. Uh, you know, so there's there's things he wants to change in our hearts, in our lives, and and we don't want to. And and so something comes along and well, we just keep putting up the wall. We don't want to go there. And so then you know in a sense we could say he turns the heat up a little bit. And so and so he, he's, he's, he's reaching out to us because he loves us and because he wants to bring us in. He wants to change us to, to, to be what he wants us to be. And so sometimes we have to go through the lesson again and again uh, because we're stubborn and we don't want to. Um, so, you know, we, we relate to that thought of that attitude of, of being stubborn um, and, and it, it is something we have to work on from time to time. So, <clears throat> as you think about your week this week, and how did your week play out? You know, sometimes we see ourselves as uh, pretty good. And... But really, when we really think about who we are, are we really that good? Or does God have to change my life? You know, Paul said, I die daily. But sometimes we don't want to die daily. We resist that. Um, And so, you know, as we resist that, God can't work in my heart because now I'm hardening my heart. I'm saying no to him I'm saying no to what he wants to do, and so, as I respond with that hardening process, I just get a little harder, don't I? Uh, you know, we've we've kind of went we go through that experience from time to time where we don't respond and we harden our heart, in, um, and then God keeps working at us. But it's when we respond to His love, we respond to what He's doing in my life then i have a then i start to develop a soft heart for him a heart that he can change that he can use because i'm no longer resisting what he's trying to do and so you know as i reflected on my life this week as i as i started thinking about this on monday i was like well after the weekend we had lord what do you want me to say what what shall i preach about And well this it wasn't very long this kind of started coming to me I want to talk about living with that attitude of repentance that God continues to work in our heart and you know as I thought about it and uh, was like so what what does God change in us why do we have to die daily well one of the things that went through my mind was, and I've had this experience more than once, um, driving down the road, you know, uh, have the crews set on 75 and and, then everything's going great. And there's three trucks in the right lane and I'm in the left lane and I'm catching up pretty fast and all of a sudden, here he comes. And now I'm going 60. And suddenly that feeling comes up, and you like, just wish you could get revenge somehow. Um, and then so suddenly, and then God's like, what was, "What was that feeling all about?" You see, it's these these are the things. Maybe we're not responding outwardly, uh, you know, because well. Maybe my wife is with me and I don't want to respond, but I have that feeling, you know, or my children, if you have younger children. So so God is working in us, and, and all of a sudden we realize, yes, I failed. I failed God. I failed the test. And so I suddenly realize, well, I still have things to work on, um, sometimes we have something you know well we think i've kind of overcome that Um, but then over time suddenly we realize oh well maybe i didn't after all Um, something comes along and 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 we don't respond right or uh, we allow something back into our life that we thought we had overcome but suddenly it's staring us in the face once again and and so, we have these experiences from time to time, and I think, I think as we think about the idea of, of living with an attitude of repentance, and um, repentance is, is, sometimes we put it into the, the idea that, well, it's kind of my initial experience with Christ, and it is that, um, but it's it's not it's not the end of repentance in and of itself, and so I think one one thing I think we have to understand in it as we think about this is there's a difference between me living in a, a gross sin, let's say that the Bible directly condemns, let's say. Um, you know, I explode in anger at my wife or, uh, you know, I'm living in fornication or adultery or some of these things. I, I think God is saying, but what, so he's, he's telling us, he tells us there in, uh, in Galatians 5 that these things should not be a part of the believer's life and that's true. And, and what I'm saying is, you know, hopefully these things are not a part of our life. But if they are, we can find help for those things. But I do think it's, it's those feelings that come out of our life and they show up and, and suddenly we realize, yes, I do need God and I do need forgiveness again and again and again because I have a human nature. And if for no other reason we have a human nature, and that human nature will make wrong choices. Uh, and whether it be in our spirit, whether it be in our mind, maybe something that nobody else knows or sees or ever hears about. But it's there, and it's because of our human nature. And um, <clears throat> we can't redeem our nature. Uh, God gives us a new nature, but that old nature, the enemy continues to to. Come at us, and he wants to. He wants us to reawaken that old nature, if you please, um, and allow it to resurrect itself. And so, and so, we have the experience of of uh, dealing with our human nature on a daily basis. And so, as we as we look at our heart, and as we deal with our heart from day to day. God wants to refine us, and so we go through a trial, and 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 He wants us to be more like Him. So, so we face these things in life that that uh, continue to show us, yes, I need God. I'm I'm not. I haven't attained, as it were, and I never will this side of eternity. But we have, we have the hope that is set before us. And in 1 John 3, 3, he says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So, so there's a, a process that's going on in our hearts and our lives, and it's because we have the hope within us of Christ and, and of eternity, and, and we see that. <clears throat> we look forward to that idea. 1 John 1, I'm going to read, some, read a few verses there if you, if you want to turn to there. Um, they're familiar verses. 1 John 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light... As He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. So these verses are taking into account the the thought of who we are. He he begins by by uh, saying that God is light. So we we process that as God is light, God is love. We we give we give him these titles, and it says in him is no darkness at all. So the there's no darkness in in God. It's because he is light. Um, and then he says if we have fellowship with if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And so we find the idea of deception here in a way um, of people who, who say they have fellowship with him and may even believe they do, but in, in essence, their walk of life doesn't say that. And then he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light. So he's, again, he's saying God is light. Now verse 8 kind of comes to the thought where where I was coming from again. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there it is. If we say we have no sin... We simply deceive ourselves. It's because of our human nature. As I said earlier, it's not that we necessarily go out and commit some gross sin every day and then say, God, forgive me. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily our experience. I think God wants us to overcome those things. But it's that nature within us um, that brings things to our minds and, and on a daily basis that we have to deal with. And, uh, and so he's saying if, if I'm telling you I have no sin I'm a liar that's what he says and so you know we can, we can claim to be that um, you know we can claim to not have any guilt in relation to it you know Pilate is a good example of a man who, who uh, hardened his heart to what was really going on. You know, he calls for that basin of water, he washed his hands, and he told the multitude, see you to it, you you see to it, I'm not guilty. And I tend to think that had somebody come to him the next day the way uh, Nathan came to David, he would have said, no, I'm not guilty, I." I washed my hands, I turned it over to the multitude. But it it didn't change the fact, it didn't change anything. He was still guilty regardless of whether he washed his hands or not. Um, He had given the okay and so regardless of where he was, regardless of what he wanted to say, he was not a free man, he was still guilty. It didn't change because of what he did. but i do think he would have likely have said no i'm not guilty david had a totally different response he said i'm the man you see the difference was how they responded to the question before them <clears throat> so how does how does a believer respond to the situations in life <clears throat> and we we face situations all the time they come to us on a daily basis things that we have to deal with and as we work with the public it might be it it becomes even more so but you know as we think about uh, what the bible says he says that we're going to give an account for every everything we say that's a pretty scary thought if we actually really stop and think about it. That's a pretty scary thought, that I'm going to give an account for everything I say. Uh, so when when he looks at us at the, on the judgment day, you know, describes him as having eyes as a flame of fire. Is he going to look at us with those flaming eyes? I'll be like, well, why did you say it? Or is he going to look at his father and say, "My blood is covered for this man's sin. He's my son." It's it's vastly different. But to good to just the thought of of giving an account for things that we say, and we wish later, you know, sometimes. Sometimes we regret that immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit till the reality hits home. And, but we go through those experiences where we regret the things that we say. And, and so I think it does us well to, to just simply be careful about what I say. Uh, maybe sometimes we should think twice. But, you know, we... we have that experience of responding quickly and, and regretting it later. Um, so that, that's one response. So that's, that's one thing that we can face in life. Um, and as we, as we walk in the light, uh, I was actually, I didn't initially have this in my, my notes. Uh, it was actually this morning I woke up and, and uh, you know was thinking about it Think about the message and and uh, another thought kind of came to me. Um, let's see, you must have turned the page here. In John and, and James four, we have the thought there. He says, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members?" And so here's here's the thought of conflict. Um, but he says in verse 6, he says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So our pride can get in the way at times. And uh, and it doesn't allow us to have relationships the way God wants us to have relationships. Um, and so we can build walls between us as brothers and sisters at times. And, and, and sometimes... We let that wall get pretty big before we're willing to tear it down. Uh, But I don't think that's what he wants. He's looking for people who are, yes, humble enough to say, I need God. I need his help. And and when things do come up, I believe the true believer is the first one to raise his hand. He says, I'm guilty. I'm a man. I need forgiveness. We need to go there. It's not an option for us. <clears throat> Believers need to come to the place where we see ourselves as the man that is guilty. I'm taking responsibility for my own actions and not for the actions of everybody else around me. Um, you know, as one person said it, I'm too busy taking care of my own sin to be worrying about my brother's faults. And, and I think it's an attitude we need to have. It's a way we need to look at life and think about life. Now, it does say in, in Second Timothy there in chapter 4, it, it does give some responsibility to, to leaders to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So, so that teaching is there, but I think, I think that needs to be done very carefully and, uh, and, and prayerfully, not just something we jump into quickly. But as we, as we take responsibility for our actions and for our thoughts and for uh, the things we say, uh, rather than looking at, at my brother's faults, it changes how we look at life. And, uh, and then we, we don't get to the place where we have to defend ourselves or we're, we're justifying our, our way of life or our thinking. Um, but we're looking at life and saying, it's my responsibility what I say, what I do. That's me. That's my responsibility before God, and not it's I'm not responsible for Joshua. He's responsible for himself. Uh, at the judgment day, I'm not going to change who he is. But he stands before God. I stand before God, and so we need to see ourselves as standing before God as an individual, and giving an account for what I do, what I say, and how I respond. 1 Timothy 5 verse 24 He says some men's sins are open beforehand Going before to the judgment And some men they follow after You know That's also a pretty serious verse When we actually stop and think about that verse We certainly don't want our sins to follow us If our sins are following us to the judgment, they're going to be there and they're going to meet us there. But if I'm sending my sins beforehand, if I'm open, I'm saying, God, I need your forgiveness. This isn't how I should have responded to my child, my wife or whatever other situation in life that comes up, you know, we can respond wrong. Um, and when those things happen, our prayer needs to be, God, I need your forgiveness. I need you to change that part of my life. I need you to refine me and to help me to be like you. You know, we know, we know God's wrath. He says um, that we know the terror of the Lord. So, so, you know, there, there's more verses like that that talk about his wrath and who he is. Uh, you know, he is a God of love, but he is also a God of judgment. And, and uh, so we certainly don't want to face his judgment because we're too stubborn to say, I was wrong. I need forgiveness. <clears throat> but we come because we want God to change us and to refine us, to mold us into his image and likeness. Well, let's turn back to Psalm fifty-one. It was already read this morning, but it was a part of what I had chosen to speak about. So we're going to go there again, um, and uh, and think about some of these verses a little bit. <clears throat> but there's one especially, verse twelve. That's going to be the last verse I'll read there. But um, but I, and I'll talk about a couple of these things in the meantime. But I want I want to one thing I want to think about as we, as we think about the idea of who we are and living with an attitude of repentance this is what it does for us. Verse 12 is what it actually does for us. It restores the joy of the Lord in our hearts um, and it brings peace and, and so on too but, but it, uh, it, is a, it is a thought that, that yes I can be restored and the joy of the Lord can flow out of me and affect others the same way my negative ideas can. <clears throat> Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee Thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with this up, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." um, in relation to his sin, he says, "I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me." So he's he's taking responsibility for what happened. He's not saying, "No, no, I, that, that wasn't me." Um, oh, Uriah's dead anyway. well yeah, she can be my wife. But he's taking responsibility for the things that had happened. Uh, and, uh, and in the same way, I think it's important for us that we take responsibility for where we are, who we are, how we respond, uh, what we allow into our life. And I think one of the things that we have to understand in taking responsibility is in verse 4, he says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. Now he had also wronged Uriah. Uh, and Bathsheba at that point but he's acknowledging it as I sinned against God you know sometimes we want to kind of keep God out of the picture well yeah okay so I got caught so I'm saying sorry to the person I wronged however that looks but then I forget well I need to ask God for forgiveness too that's by far the most important part in the whole thing I need forgiveness from God, not just my fellow man releasing me from what I did wrong, but I need forgiveness from God. <clears throat> but David took that responsibility and he said, I've sinned against you. And he was he was saying, I sinned against God. So, Verse 7 was kind of interesting. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He gave the one writer gave the thought that lepers, uh, if they thought they were clean, uh, he says they were purified by the use of hyssop. And I thought, well that was interesting, an interesting thought. Um, I never really realized what that meant. And maybe that's not exactly everything it means was one writer's process, uh, how he looked at it. But I thought it was interesting if we think about it from that aspect, you know, a leper, a leper was considered an unclean person. He was cast out. He couldn't be in the camp because, we're among the people because he had leprosy and it was a contagious disease. and so he was out of the camp until he was clean. And I thought it was interesting how he he uses that analogy in the hyssop, purge me, clean me. Um, And he he may have used that term because it was something that, that the Jewish people understood. It was, it was a practice to them, and so they understood what he was saying, uh, maybe more so than we do. But he says, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And so it's, it's portraying God's forgiveness um, to us. Make me to hear joy and gladness. It, it's just, uh, what do I hear? Do I, do I live with a sense of joy? But the, one of the benefits of living with that attitude of repentance is we can be restored to the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is just a part of our life when we live with that attitude of repentance. That I need God and I need His forgiveness uh, on a daily basis <clears throat> rather than me, you know, having to defend myself, defend my turfs, as we sometimes say. Um, That's not how he wants us to respond, but he's wanting us to respond with that open heart because when that open heart is there, he can restore us to experience his joy, his love, his peace, and we can't find it in any other way. saw this morning do you have a soft heart? Do you want a soft heart? Or do we have a hard heart? At this last week I didn't have any needs. I didn't have to confess anything to the Lord. I was pretty good. Who do we want to be? Who are we? First John 2 verse 28 and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That's who we want to be. We don't want to be ashamed before him when he comes again. We want to have confidence in him. We want to have confidence in our salvation. Our salvation comes from Jesus Christ, and we want to be able to have that confidence, knowing that when I get to the judgment day, I'm at peace with God. I can be that way. I can have that peace, or I can let that peace be destroyed um, and and not be there. You know, where he looks at us with his flaming eyes of fire, piercing us because we haven't allowed him to change us. We haven't come to him and said, I'm the man, I need forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, we want to have confidence in Him. So that when when He comes, when He appears, we're not ashamed, and He's not ashamed of us. You know, if we're ashamed of Him now, He'll be ashamed of us then. The Bible says so. So we don't want to be ashamed of Him, but we want to be confident in Him, knowing that forgiveness is there, and we've experienced it. And we're not afraid to come to him and say, I need forgiveness today. And tomorrow we come again and say, I need forgiveness. Not that we go out and do some vile thing, but because I'm human and because that thought of revenge crosses my mind or whatever else comes to us um, um, that just continues to be there. And it shows us how much we need God and how much we, for- we need his forgiveness And so, may it be our experience, though, we have confidence in Him. We go to bed at night, and we're not deceived with the thought, oh, everything's okay, but we're confident in Him. We know we're going to bed at night, and we're at peace with Him. It's not something we're trying to cover, but it's because we have confidence in Him. And so, may that confidence be a part of our experience. And as as we have soft hearts, and we allow God to speak to us, we allow Him to touch those areas in our life that need to grow, we can have that soft heart. Or we can turn away, we can look at our life on Saturday evening and be like, well, I had a pretty good week. Didn't have to ask God for forgiveness this week. It's not an experience I have. Or if I do, I'm deceiving myself. So, um, I think we just need to be open and honest before God and sometimes that means being open and honest before brothers um, depending on what life brings to us but um, <clears throat> being open and honest before God and understanding I need his forgiveness and I need him to change me to mold me and to shape me it goes a long ways and we can then have that confidence in him and he's not going to be ashamed of us on the judgment day but we have that confidence in him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you, we love you Lord, for what you've done for us. And as we've reflected on your great salvation that comes to us through the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the resurrection and as we humbly bow before you, recognizing our need and understanding, oh God, that we need your forgiveness. We need your forgiveness each and every day. Uh, We need you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and from the things that hinder us. Lord, that we can have that confidence in you, knowing that uh, when when we go to bed at night, we rest because we have confidence in you and because we know that we are right with you and we're not deceived into believing things that are not true about ourselves and so we may we just seek to have that soft heart that heart that allows you to speak to us change us mold us and shape us into who you want us to be for you alone are worthy to receive all the honor glory and praise from our lives in jesus name I pray